And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Welcome back to the Iowa Caucus Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John Hurl, and I'm very excited to share with you episode number five of the podcast. Hard to believe we're already five weeks into this thing, but I'm very happy with the support that I've, I've gotten for this and very happy for to you for listening. Uh, with that, however, we are going to change up the format a little bit of the podcast. Samantha Bain, uh, another Iowa Caucus Project staffer, is actually going to take the main interview this week. She sits down with State Senator Rob Ho to talk about climate change and the ways that he has pushed that issue onto the candidates coming to Iowa. But before we give you Sam's interview with Senator Hogue, it's important that you get to meet her. So she will actually be the featured member of the Meet the Member section of the podcast this week. So we will air the Meet the Member section before the main interview. And then, as always, we will finish up with the calendar of events. So without further ado, let's get to Meet the Member with Sam Bain. It's now time for the Meet the Member section of the podcast. I'm very excited for this week as Samantha Bain comes in. Sam, thank you so much for agreeing to sit down with me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Sam, before we kind of get started, why don't you just introduce yourself, kind of tell us where you're from and uh, what you study here at Drake. Oh, the typical Drake intro. All right. I'm Samantha Bain. I'm a senior at Drake. I graduate this December, hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm studying politics and law, politics and society with a minor in philosophy. And I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, a town just outside of it. And Sam, kind of talk to me about what you've done so far uh, in, in, in your life as uh, politically, and then what kind of got you interested in the Iowa Caucus Project, and why are you here? Yeah, so I came to Drake because of the Iowa caucuses, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what a caucus was, but I knew I had to be a part of it. I went to this senior politics day during my senior year of high school, and we got to see the Democratic debate. Not the actual debate, but we were able to go, like, through the green room and through the spin room, and we got to go to a watch party, and we were able to do all of these things that I never had a chance to do when I was in St. Louis. And although I did not commit to Drake the next day, I pretty much knew that it was going to be where I wanted to go. Um, But since I've gotten to Drake, obviously it hasn't been the caucuses yet. Um, I've been able to do a lot of politics things in between. I was the election engagement director of Iowa Campus Compact, which took me to schools across Iowa, colleges and universities to consult on their voter engagement campaigns. Um, And I worked on that from September of 17 all the way up through May of this year. So that included the midterm cycle. Awesome, Uh, Sam. And kind of talk to me now about your role within the Iowa Caucus Project, because you are one of the uh, leads uh, for for the (laughs) campus engagement team. Yes, I'm the campus engagement team lead. And that was something that I knew I wanted to do when uh, Professor Caulfield approached me about the Iowa Caucus Project. I had heard that this Um, class, organization, whatever we are, existed. Uh And um, I knew I wanted to engage with the caucuses without having to necessarily be on a campaign. So it allows me to, this particular position allows me to engage other students, register people to vote, which is something that I love to do, and um, get the campus talking about the various issues that are coming up in this caucus cycle. And Sam, talk to me about kind of what the 
campus engagement team has already done that you thought went really well, you're proud of? And then what do you have planned for the future that is getting you really, really excited? Yeah, so our efforts have already registered about 130 voters, and this is technically an off year where there's not a major election happening. Um, So that's a pretty big deal to get over 100 registered at a school of only 3,200. And there's campaigns on campus. There's other organizations that have also been doing voter registration. Um, And it included a pretty fun event on National Voter Registration Day where we had Griff and we had Professor Caulfield's dog, Lucy, who was a big hit. We had all sorts of candy and a bean pole. So I was really excited to see all of the class come together to get as many people engaged with National Voter Registration Day as possible. We also had a Beginner's Politics Day where we brought in first years to talk about how they can get involved and jump in. And I actually saw a lot of them at the Steak Fry, which was that weekend. So obviously the first years that are coming to Drake are taking advantage of all that Iowa has to offer. And then uh, coming up, we have an impeachment dialogue um, next week. And we're going to be talking about the process of impeachment, how it relates to the caucuses, and um, how we can have a conversation about the actual system of impeachment. And then after that, we're doing different voter registration at student organizations across campus. Um, I went to the business classes already, and we're trying to do it in other classes as well. Um, And we're hoping to do like a YI caucus engagement event in addition. Uh, Yeah, again, you brought up that impeachment dialogue. That's going to be Wednesday, October 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. in the Coles Reading Room. And Sam, you obviously have spent time around schools getting people registered to vote. Uh, Is there something special about Drake? Are Drake students especially willing to uh, kind of dive into politics and and, and register to vote? Or are we kind of on par with, with, with the schools that you've seen as a whole? Yeah, the numbers haven't been released yet, so I can't talk about specifics, but um, Drake had a very high voter registration and actual voting rate in 2018. Um, Drake students are in the center of the action in Des Moines, Iowa, with a high, highly political campus. Um, and students across all disciplines are making the connection between policy and the work that they're doing in the classroom. And that's the most important thing when considering, like, to vote is if you can make voting personal, then you're more likely to vote. So for business kids, they're making the connection between tax policy and the IRS and insurance policy and the work that they're doing in their classes every day. And although business students across Iowa, across the country are the one of the least likely groups to vote at Drake, um, they're not that far behind other students. So, Sam, kind of shifting gears to uh, the interview that we're going to hear in a little bit with State Senator Rob Hogue, can you kind of tell me, how did you get uh, contacted with him? How did you hear about his efforts uh, with uh, climate change and pushing the candidates to talk about climate change? Can you talk about the process of getting connected with him? Yeah. So um, one of the class days was the Democratic debate. Um, the class for Iowa caucus project and we ended class early so we could go to different watch parties and Kylie Roach and I both went to Teddy Maroons where they had an event hosted by the Polk County Democrats for the uncommitted voters so anyone who was not on a campaign could go to that watch party and if you've been to Teddy Maroons it's very fancy there's it's has a sports bar vibe but it's also like very nice and they had special drinks named after different 
uh, Democratic things that I'm not remembering <laughs> off the top of my head. You had too many but of them. Yeah, like, yeah. It sounds like. <laughs> sure, John. Yeah, that's why. Um, but they had like the big Bagnuski. Is that how you pronounce? Yeah. Um, and that was a drink, and that's named after the chair of the Polk County Democrats. Um, so things like that. But so I was interviewing the different voters that were there, and I was just kind of walking around and asking questions and being a very amateur journalist, like very amateur. I'm not a journalism major. I'm trying my best. Um, and I went to a table, and it was a group of four, and I was talking to one of the men at the table. And I could tell that the man next to him was being very silent and did not want to talk to me. So I didn't push it. And I had a very great conversation with the voter that would talk to me at that table. And um, so I finished up. We had a great conversation about why he was interested in Beto O'Rourke, which wasn't something that I had heard from the other voters. And that was the night where he said he would ban all AK-47. So I was like, this is a great interview. This is enough to work with. I went back to uh, Kylie and my other friend who went with me to the watch party. And then they called me over later, um, the voter and then the person that wouldn't talk to me. And all of a sudden, um, I learned that that person was Senator Rob Hogue. And he had not endorsed anyone. And that's why he couldn't talk to me about the debates, um, considering his public obligations um, and his endorsement uh, eventually will probably be very important. But he would talk to me about the work that he was doing with the climate conversations and climate change. And he, by that point, he had talked to 12 different presidential candidates about the climate one-to-one um, and engaging them in Cedar Rapids. And I was, I don't know much about climate change. I know enough to be firmly against uh, policies that are making global warming possible. But um, I'm not a science major. And I kind of was thrown into this. And I said, absolutely, yes, we'll set up a time. And I went to an extreme weather in Iowa conference, which I probably wouldn't have (laughs) gone to either. Um, But even just being able to hear from Senator Hogue um, up and leading to the interview, um, he shared different articles with me and different events that were happening. Um, I learned quite a bit about how prevalent that issue is, not just globally, but here in Iowa. And I don't think I knew exactly how localized the issue was before I connected with him. So Sam, obviously you're from St. Louis, but you uh, like to call Iowa home. (laughs) Talk to me about your favorite Iowan moments throughout this caucus cycle that you've been able to experience. And also talk to me about being on on Caucus Land, uh, the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I'll start with my favorite Iowa moment. Uh, Last spring, I was trying to study. And it was, for whatever reason, I had a bunch of essays that week. I made the poor decision of taking two senior seminars at the same time. To all the listeners out there, don't do that. And I went with a friend to Mars Cafe, and we noticed there were a lot of cameras outside. We were like, hmm, that's kind of weird. Uh, Maybe there's just something going on with the local news. You know, Mars is a big community organization, and they often have different nonprofits participating in partnerships with them, so we went inside. And we start to see lots of people milling about, um, including Deidre DeGere, who... Um, I knew 
from before with my work on voting organizations and things like that. Um, uh, she is also the Iowa campaign state director, I believe is her title of Kamala Harris's campaign. And finally, I asked Deidre, I was like, what is going on? Like, why are there so many cameras? I just want to get my homework done. What is happening? And pretty much right after I asked Deidre that, um, in walks Kamala Harris herself um, to Mars Cafe, uh, which is just off of the campus of Drake. And pretty much for an hour after that, I knew I wasn't getting any homework done. And then, um, so that's one of my favorite moments. In terms of caucus land, um, this summer I interned uh, for an organization called the Education Trust. And in that um, organization, my one of my roles was to oversee the 2020 education platforms of the candidate. So I was producing briefs and um, checking every day and reading transcripts to see if the candidates had said anything new about education from K to 12 up to higher ed. So because of this work, um, I was suggested to Iowa Public Radio as someone who knew a little bit about higher ed. And I felt, as a student, I felt a little bit out of my league. But um, Grant Gerlock, who was the reporter at Iowa Public Radio, who brought me down, uh, I did like a 35-minute interview, which was, of course, quite a uh, cut quite a bit. But to um, hear my voice on the like p- national public radio, I don't think it was picked up nationally. But um, it was still a really cool experience to um, be able to talk about what I had learned and share it with a wider audience. And I even received different emails from people in D.C. who had listened in and um, who picked up the podcast. So... Yeah. Sorry. So, so Sam, before we get you out of here, uh, where can we follow you? Where can we follow the work that you're doing for Iowa Caucus Project? And then also just follow you on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. So please check out our blog at iowacaucusproject.com. Um, I've already written six blogs, I believe, um, in the interview with Senator Hoke in an article form should be up within the next week. Um, on Twitter, my Twitter is Samantha Bain One. That's B as in boy, A Y N E. And then on Instagram, I'm just Samantha Bain. No numbers. Thank you so much uh, for coming in, Samantha. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will hear your interview with uh, Senator Rob Hogue right after this. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Absolutely. Samantha Bain. I'm a senior at Drake University in the Iowa Caucus Project class. I'm feeling very fortunate to be here today with Senator Rob Hogue. Um, He was elected to his fourth term in the Iowa Senate in 2018, serving Cedar Rapids, uh, District 33. And he is the ranking member on the Justice Systems Budget and on the Natural Resources and Environment Committee. Um, He's a fourth generation Iowan, attended University of Iowa, um, as well as the University of Minnesota for his MPA and his law degree. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be with you today. Could you talk a little bit about your climate conversations and yeah. how that has gone so far? Uh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'll announce here for the first time, uh, although by the time this airs, maybe it won't be news. Um, I'm going to have uh, Senator Cory Booker with me on uh, Monday, uh, 
October 7th uh, at um, Matthew 25 on 201 Third Avenue Southwest in Cedar Rapids at 5.30 p.m. Uh, for a climate forum with uh, Senator Booker. He will be the 15th candidate that I've had a climate forum with. And it has been, um, you know, it, it started uh, it started in uh, May. Um, uh, Governor Inslee, who was a candidate at the time from Washington State, one, one was coming to Cedar Rapids. And I said to his staff, well, why doesn't he do a, a climate event with me? And then, and then well, once I said that, I said, well, I should do that for all the candidates. Because I didn't think at the time that climate change was going to get enough attention in the debates. And so I said, let's give each candidate an opportunity to talk to Iowans directly about their climate plans and to listen to the Iowans who have experienced these floods and uh, extreme weather events and, and, are, and are working on the solutions. Uh, so we've had 15 candidates. Um, most recently, we had uh, Julian Castro at a student-led climate forum at Linmar High School and uh, Vice President Biden at our Indian Creek Nature Center, which is the state's first designated living building. Uh, it's, a, it's a green building category for um, uh, buildings that produce all of their energy on site through renewable energy sources and retain all of the water uh, that falls on the property on the property and it's just an extraordinary facility in cedar rapids the indian creek nature center and we had uh, former vice president biden there and it's been great to give candidates that chance to interact uh, in front of, with iowans to answer iowans questions i always build in time for people to visit one-on-one -on -one with them um, because uh, it, you know this is something iowans get to do that people in other states can't do we get the time one-on-one -on -one with these candidates, and uh, I am just, just extraordinarily uh, pleased with how that series is going, and I'm looking forward to having Senator Booker uh, with me next week. Um, that's great. I think 15 candidates is, to anyone in any other state, that would be something yep. that is completely unheard of. Um, is there anything that you hope each candidate leaving the forums or leaving the Iowa caucuses in general should commit to in order to combat climate change? Um, I, 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 I'm not somebody who likes to pin the candidates down because uh, what I, my goal is to help every candidate become uh, more informed and more committed to climate action from wherever he or she starts. So it's not, I, I don't find it very helpful, having been in elected office now for 17 years, I don't find it very helpful to try to pin people down on things. And that kind of becomes a divisive uh, approach. I'm more interested in making sure they understand, hey, this is a reality for people. Uh, you know, we in Cedar Rapids with our extreme flood in uh, 2008 that was so devastating, our second biggest flood on record was 2016. And people in Cedar Rapids kind of understand, hey, things have changed. Uh, we need to act on this issue. And we have solutions that work. Uh, but I like the candidates to know that, hey, th this is not an abstract, partisan, political, philosophical issue. This is a reality for people. And I will say, you know, uh, this is now an issue that will never not be a part of American politics. I mean, this is now a permanent feature of American politics because it is such a big and urgent issue and, and that science is clear uh, and you saw a little bit of it just now uh, at this uh, symposium, but the science is clear that uh, climate change is going to get worse and 
the only way we prevent it from getting significantly worse is if we take significant action now. And I think we're we're making a lot of progress with the candidates. I, and I know I'm not the only one in Iowa doing this. And, and we've had great attendance. We've had, uh, you know, even the lowest attended event with uh, Seth Moulton on a Sunday night at a bar. Um, we still got over 30 people there. And you know, with Vice President Biden, we were over 200. Uh, people are really interested in hearing the candidates and hearing uh, what they have to say on this issue. And, and the final thing I'll say about it is, I'm more interested in the details of their plans. I'm more interested in how they approach bringing people together to solve the problem. Because here's what's going to happen. You know, we're sitting here in 2019. Well, one of these candidates is going to get elected and take office on uh, January 20th, 2021, and things will be different. And, you know, plans always have to change, um, get updated. Um, what's politically doable changes. Um, right now, uh, with a Republican Senate, you might think, well, things aren't as politically doable. Well, Republicans could change their views. Democrats could also take back the Senate. And, and you have to, what I'm really interested in is, do you have the ability to bring people together to act on the issue? Do you have a desire to do that? Are you committed to doing it? And do you have a depth of understanding so you don't, you know, maybe pursue, um, you know, false solutions, right? I mean, because I don't, I don't want to say that there are people out there misleading, you know, well, there are people out there misleading people. Um, and the problem is sometimes, you know, what, somebody talks about a solution. Well, that's not, that, that's not the solution, right? So we do have to have somebody who has a depth of understanding of the issue and a commitment to act on the full range of issues. Is there one particular candidate you see as having a great platform and maybe one, or what are some other candidates missing? Yeah, um, I, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I'm just going to, Take this opportunity to not answer that question directly, okay. right? How's that for being <laughs> candid? Uh, and just say, because I'm really trying to move all the candidates in in the direction of climate action. Um, I will just uh, uh, give you a few kind of maybe highlights. I mean, Governor Inslee, uh, extraordinarily well well informed on the issue, wrote a book about it. Uh, uh, Apollo's. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. That's terrible. But uh, uh, 2008 book, uh, and and so he's been working on the issue kind of as long as I have been, and and he, he had a great understanding of it. You have um, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard. She just kind of grew up with the issue, right? She graduated from high school in the late 90s. Uh, she said she's been organizing beach cleanups and obviously understands how uh, precarious the oceans are. Um, she talked about uh, her skits she did in high school as a water woman with the other character, <laughs> Oily Al, and uh, that was uh, neat. Um, so <clears throat> kind of a deep commitment. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, also no longer in the race, uh, but she announced her climate moonshot at an event with me in Co at Co College, and that was really exciting to be a part of that. Um, but I, w I will just say I think, um, I think all the candidates – the level of understanding is uh, very high. Uh, the level of commitment is high, and it is increasing um, as we as Iowans keep speaking up with people. And by the way, I know there are people in New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina who are also uh, doing the same. Um, 
not maybe as good as we're doing here in Iowa, <laughs> but they are working on it. That now feels particularly different. I mean, climate changes yes. in the news quite a bit um, with um, Greta Thunberg last week yeah. at um, the UN and the Green New Deal making its way through the yes. House. Um, why do you think now is different? Uh, there, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's what people are experiencing. You know, even as recently as the 2016 election, people hadn't experienced Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Maria and the fire that destroyed uh, Paradise, California. So what people are seeing happening in our country and around the world is changing what people think. Uh, second, uh, just this extraordinary effort uh, by uh, Greta Thunberg and, and not only her, but just millions of young people in the United States and around the world, uh, the climate strike movement, the Green New Deal, um, you know, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the leadership she's provided. Um, I just think, I just think those things have changed. And the, and the final thing that's changed, so, so you've got people are experiencing it, people are speaking up. The other thing is people see the solutions that work, right? Um, 25 years ago working on climate change, uh, somebody might have been scared about what climate action meant. Uh, I remember buying my first compact fluorescent light bulb for over $20 in the early 1990s, right? Well, now they're available for a dollar bulb and don't buy them because you should be buying an LED bulb because they're even better, right? But, but that's a change, right? Um, 25 years ago, we didn't have energy efficient products. We didn't have uh, solar energy that was widely available. We didn't have wind power that worked. We didn't have electric vehicles. Now we do. People see those solutions. They know they work. They work for jobs. They work for businesses. They work for farmers. They work cons for consumers. They work for our health. So we don't have to fear it. And I think that's the other big thing to change. I think we are on the cusp of, you know, call it the Green New Deal, call it whatever you want. I think we're on the cusp of major national action and international leadership by the United States to deal with climate change. We just have to get our politics right to reflect that. Is there anything that everyday Iowans should be doing now in order a to... A absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, first of all, um, getting more informed be be so you're so you're conscious and aware of it. That's critical. Um, uh, getting more involved, right? Finding, connecting with other people who are who are interested is, is a good idea. There are a lot of great groups out there. Um, and, you know, Citizens Climate Lobby, the Sunrise Movement, there are lots of other groups, ways for people to get involved. Um, in your personal life, conserve energy. Um, you know, take a look at your diet, uh, right? Food solutions are really important. Things you can do at work, on the farm, uh, at home. There are all kinds of things people should do. And here's why that's so important. Because once you, once you get involved in um, doing the things that are part of the solution, you then become a better advocate for it as well. And the most important thing is getting involved as a citizen, uh, speaking up, uh, being involved, uh, voting, caucusing. Um, it is absolutely critical because, again, you do everything in your own life right. We cannot solve this problem without 
strong national policy and leadership by the United States on a global basis. We have to have that. And I, I believe people are, are ready for that. Um, you know, I, uh, um, uh, late September, I was up at Loris College in Dubuque. And, you know, I had some people saying, hey, why are you going to Dubuque to talk about climate change? Isn't that wasting gasoline? And, well, okay, I drive a car that gets over 50 miles per gallon. So I was going to use three gallons of gasoline. I actually told the students at Loris, I said, I was happy to come up here and help. They had invited me. It, I knew it was going to burn three gallons of gasoline, 75 pounds of carbon dioxide. But I said, I'm counting on you to not only cut your own uh, emissions by more than three gallons to offset what I've just spent, I'm counting on you to help lead the world to say, solve this problem. And, and you know, we've got to have... We've got to get people involved to do that. Uh, Senator, yep. once again, thank you for sitting down with us. Yep. Uh, I'm just curious, obviously, in your work, you talk to a lot of Iowans. Yes. And Iowans, um, it's very easy to see the effects of climate change in Iowa with the recent floodings of the past year that were de devastating to both the eastern and western parts of the state. Yes. Um, at the same time, however, some of the policy changes that have been promoted by national uh, Democrats running for president, like the Green New Deal, have seemed to have pieces of them that might hurt farmers and might force farmers to change the way that they do their business. How, do, how can Iowa swallow that pill um, of something like the Green New Deal, right. and where do you think Iowans are on climate change? Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, we need to change it from being a pill that we have to swallow to the greatest opportunity the state's ever had. and. I know that I know that there are parts of the Green New Deal, which you know really is a framework. It's not really a bill. There are parts of the Green New Deal that people are able to magnify and say, "Oh, this threatens your future." Well, I would just flip it. I'd say, for for example, farmers. Uh, yeah, there are things farmers need to do to help, just like all of us have things we need to do to help. Farmers also have this great economic opportunity for uh, renewable energy a great economic opportunity for carbon sequestration, um, getting paid for environmental services, which is what a lot of the Democratic candidates are talking about for president. And, and, and I want to bring people involved to be part of the solution, not blame people for being part of the problem. Um, you know, uh, we all have, uh, I think it's fair to say, we all have had mistakes in our past, right, where we recognize, hey, at that stage in my you know, life or my career, I wasn't doing things right, now I can do it better. And uh, I just think it's something where we need to come together and solve those problems. This is a great economic opportunity for Iowa. Renewable energy, carbon sequestration, better water management. And one of the things that's not talked about enough is all of those solutions create jobs in Iowa where we actually most need them, which is in rural Iowa. Um, you know, we've got a lot of towns that have lost population in our state. And this is a chance to transform that and change the trajectory uh, for rural economic development in some of our mid-sized towns around the state. Um, you know, this isn't about jobs in Des Moines. Uh, this is about jobs in Denison. And let's, uh, let's make those things happen. But you only get there with public policy that's committed to doing that and leaders who um, people will trust not to be you know, to, it, it, we need we need we need somebody who farmers are going to, you know as president who farmers are going to say, hey, this person cares about me, and when this person calls on me to help be part of the solution on climate change, I'm going to respond to that.
Is there anything else that we should know about the caucuses, climate change, Iowa um, in general? Well, uh, just the one final thought uh, on that, Samantha, is, uh, you know, especially young people, you have to recognize that you're living in the Super Bowl of American politics here. Uh, this is your chance to meet the candidates, get involved. Uh, it is it is one of the great opportunities you have. If you're a, if you're a college student in Texas, you don't have this opportunity. So take advantage of it. Get involved. Get out and see the candidates. By the way, I remember when I was in college, uh, 1987 and 88 cycle, uh, I went out and saw the candidates on both sides. And I, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But get involved. Go out and see the candidates. Uh, make sure your voice is heard on February 3rd and beyond. Thank you so much, Senator Hoke. Yeah. I Thank really you appreciate much. your yeah. time. Appreciate Thanks, John. Thanks, Samantha. Good to be with you. Thank you. It's now time for the calendar of events section of the podcast. I'm going to tell you when and where the candidates are going to be around the Des Moines area for this upcoming week. So starting off on Saturday, October 12th at 3.15 p.m., Kamala Harris is going to be at the Urban Dreams Center in Des Moines for a block party sponsored by Urban Dreams. Uh, also on Saturday, October 12th at 7.30 p.m., Pete Buttigieg will be hosting a town hall at Roosevelt High School here in Des Moines. On Sunday, October 13th, from 2 to 5 p.m. at Prairie Meadows Hotel in Altoona, there will be the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union Presidential Candidate Forum sponsored by UFCW. Candidates that are going to attend include Joe Biden, Michael Bennett, Steve Bullock, Pete Buttigieg, and Kamala Harris. Again, that's Sunday, October 13th, from 2 to 5 p.m. at Prairie Meadows. Also on Sunday, October 13th at 4.30 p.m. at Fox Brewing, Michael Bennett will host a town hall with Iowa caucus goers, again, Fox Brewing in West Des Moines. And the final event of the week will be on Thursday, October 17th at 11 a.m. Uh, when John Delaney ho uh, attends the Iowa Caucus Consortium's Candidate Forum Series sponsored by Bank of America at the State Historical Building of Iowa. Again, John Delaney on Thursday, October 17th at 11 a.m. That will wrap it up for the calendar of events section of the podcast. And with that, we have reached the conclusion of episode five of the Iowa Caucus Project podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I will see you next week.